Today, we're jumping into a big topic, uh, the Trinity. Uh, What does it mean that God is triune and why does it matter? Uh, Why does it matter that we believe that and and how does missing some of those key ideas in the triune God, how does that cause us to miss what Christianity is? Uh, This is Drew Moss and I'm in the studio today with Jim Johnson and with Ryan Vincent and we're going to spend a little bit of time uh, opening up that idea and thinking through it and kind of reveling in some of the stuff that we understand and some of the stuff we don't. Uh, I hope you will find it helpful and enjoyable. Okay, uh, we are talking uh, about a, a kind of mind-blowing concept today, one that is really hard to wrap your head around in a lot of ways. And so I thought I would start by sharing some mind-blowing facts that I have found on the internet uh, I think that's I have, where all the facts are. I know. Well, <laughs> yes. The question is whether the facts are true on the internet, and I cannot vouch for whether these are true or not. I have not fact-checked them, because technically, if I was fact-checking them, it would just be me fact-checking them on the internet. So, like, Closed loop. It's closed loop. <laughs> I don't actually know. Um, Circular reasoning. We're going to come back to that. But I'm going to hit you with some of these real quick. Okay, first one. I know that you, Jim, are a Canadian yes. that lives south of Seattle. But did you know that the majority of Canadians live south of Seattle? I did know that. You did know that. I did okay. know that. Yes, because what, like Toronto and yep. Montreal yep. specifically yep. sit below the, that's what, 45th? 39th parallel. Okay, whatever that's that kinda, is. That's kind of, they call yeah, it yeah, the 39th yeah. parallel. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yep. So yep. the majority of Canadians live below <laughs> Seattle. Yeah. That was that was wild to me. The southern part of Ontario is more south than the northern part of California. Okay, yes. Then the northern part of California. That's yes, right. There I are parts of that. Canada that are more south than northern than California. California. Whoa. Yeah, that's crazy. That to is me, crazy. Actually. That is crazy. It's still cold though. Yep. <laughs> it's still miserable. <laughs> okay. Uh, this one is the one. This one I'm like I don't know if this is real or not. But uh, there are more trees on the earth than stars in our galaxy. I can't believe that. In our galaxy? In our ga- in the Milky Way, not just in the yeah. universe. I, I, in think the I, Milky can, Way I, I think that it's hard to believe. I, yeah. I think I, I don't just go, no yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. Actually, so. according to this, way more. There are three trillion trees on the Earth and roughly 300 to 400 billion stars in our galaxy. Three trillion. You know, I'll tell you, I keep hearing about like deforestation, which I know yeah. can cause some real problems in specific locations. But whenever I'm flying and I'm over a lot of, and I've flown a lot yeah. of, around the world, I'm like, wow, there's a lot of trees. <laughs> <laughs> trees like, I mean, I'm serious. Like, yeah. right, if you're ever flying, the one yes. thing I'm really amazed by are the number of trees <laughs> yes. that just exist. So It's crazy. Except for when you're flying over Kansas. Then you're like, ah, I don't know, maybe. That's a lot, a lot of corn. Lot. That's a lot of dirt. <laughs> okay. This is not, this is, I guess it makes sense, but it's kind of crazy. Every two minutes today, every two minutes, people take more photos than were taken in the entire 19th century. <laughs> <laughs> that I believe. <laughs> is that, yeah, it's like. Actually, there's a girl in our youth group that does it single-handedly. <laughs> <laughs> is that crazy? That's that's wild. Okay, I'll give you one more and then I'll ask you. I was walking on the OSU campus and I saw more people taking <laughs> yes, photos that's of true. themselves. More photos uh, are taken on the OSU campus. In two minutes. The great Jim Gaffigan line is that he takes more, he has more pictures of his kids than his dad ever looked at him. (laughs) (laughs) That's another Uh, fact. That is good. That is good. Okay. Speaking of, uh, you know, phones, cameras, that kind of stuff, Cleopatra lived closer to the invention of the cell phone than to the building of the Great Pyramids in Egypt. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's fun. I like those ones where it's like, did you know that this is how far we've come from this particular time in history? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's wild to me. Again, did not fact check that, so that could be completely (laughs) made up. sounds about right, because she would be, what, 300s BC? Yep. Yeah, no, that would actually, yeah, no, that actually makes total sense. It's kind of like how we're as close to Jesus as Abraham was. Yeah. That's wild. Okay, you you shared one right before we started, right before we got on here. Uh, Yeah. Cell phones. I, I I I should actually check it. So, well, he's gonna. Uh, do, we're gonna check the internet real do quick. Do something else, right okay? Now. Just, uh, <laughs> do something like a hand. Okay, hand I, got I, I, got I got one. I got one. Yoda, <laughs> Yoda, and Miss Piggy were voiced by the same person. 
Is that true? Yes. <laughs> Which actually, as you think about it, like, I don't oh, know that, that sounds actually. right. Yeah, that's actually, when I first said that, I was like, whoa. And I was like, oh, no, actually, I hear that. If you did, if just Miss Piggy just reversed her words, that's Yoda. <laughs> Read them in the ESV Fra- order. <laughs> yes, Frank Oz. That's uh, that's who, who voiced them. Oh, so that's great. That's kind of an interesting fact. Uh, Jim, you got one? I got one more. If you, yeah, uh, no, no, do one more, and then, okay. then I'll be ready to This go. isn't mind-blowing. This is just kind of crazy. Uh, and you can check with your daughter-in-law on this, but it is... Totally legal to escape from prison in Mexico, and in and in Germany actually. Isn't that wild? Do they just? What? It's, it's it is legal. legal to escape from prison. They're they're thinking <laughs> if is, you can do it. Yes, they're thinking is it's kind of like it's basic human nature to not want to be in jail. So we get it, right? Uh, but it's also legal for them to shoot people running away. Yeah, it's still like we're still going to try to catch you. And you can be held any crimes you commit in the process of fleeing. Yes, You'll yes, be punished yes, for, yes, But yes, you yes. don't actually get, like, added time for, like, fleeing. breaking out. Oh, yeah. my goodness. So. That would become a sport. <laughs> yes. Well, but it's logical. Yes. Right? Like, yes. What did I do? I just ran. I just ran. I was yeah. running. Yes. So Okay. Are you, it's, it's crazier than I thought. Okay. There are the iPhone 11 has 8.5 billion transistors in it. Yeah, that's crazy to me. Yeah. I here's the thing. I have no idea what a transistor is. I just can't imagine <laughs> I can't imagine eight billion anything fitting yes. inside yeah. this. Yeah. You no, know what I, I mean? Know. Yeah. So. Well, and especially since like a transistor, right? This thing that turns things on and off. Is that fair, Steve? Something that turns things on and off. I mean, back in the day, I was telling this before we started taping, my dad would talk about that they were actually the size of about an iPhone. Yeah. Back in the fifties and sixties. And the fact that now they're taking those same things and they're putting 8.5 billion of them in an iPhone. Oh, my wall, they're the size amazing. of a light switch. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Isn't that crazy? Eight and a half billion. Now, here's the, here's yeah. the, I don't even know. Steve may actually edit this out. My favorite stat still is the piece of paper you fold. Mm. This is in, this is in um, Malcolm Gladwell's uh, tipping, tipping point. If you take a piece of paper and you fold it, you can technically only fold any piece of paper, I think roughly seven times. Other than that, it, it's impossible to fold an eighth time. But if you could take just a normal piece of paper and fold it 50 times, how thick would it be? Right? And you know yes, the answer. Yeah, you so you shared this one. Just, I actually I want don't you to, remember, but you yeah, shared it. Yeah. If you're listening on the podcast, think about it. How, how far do you think it would be? A piece but, of copy paper. Yeah, a piece of copy paper. Just fold it 50 times. Okay? So is that like, you know, is it uh, 10 feet? Is it? 12 feet is it a mile what is it and the answer is roughly 90 million miles thick from here to the sun one piece of paper folded 50 times yeah that's that's that is mine well and i had a i had a really 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 smart engineering guy just go no i don't believe it and i he said i'm gonna go to the my office i'm gonna figure out the formula for it i'm gonna measure with a you know the device that i don't have in my office how thick a piece of paper is and he came back and he went you're right. And I said, well, it wasn't even me that came up with it. Malcolm Gladwell did it. So That's crazy. That is crazy. So, that is. Yeah. And his point in the book is there are some things. This is a good segue. Yep. There are some things that are true that are mind because it just is incapable of trying to get itself around. And one of those things that it can't understand is exponential growth. It just yeah. doesn't understand how exponential growth happens. There you go. That is an incredible transition right there. There are things that are uh, that are true, but but are hard for us to even wrap our mind around. And that's what we're going to talk about uh, today, actually. Uh, just recently, Ryan, you preached um, out of John 14. And in that statement, you have uh, Jesus uh, talking about how he's the way to the Father. And he's um, and, and, and yeah, that he's been sent by the Father. He's the way to the Father. And at some point... It is, who who pipes in? Is it Philip who pipes in and says, show us the way to the Father? Or no, show us the Father and that will be enough yeah, for us. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Yes, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Um, which is not the first time in John we, we get a statement mm-hmm. like that. Actually, mm-hmm. the very first statement in John in mm-hmm. the beginning was Jesus and Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. And then down at the end of that, no one has ever seen God. Uh, but God, the one and only who is next to God, the Father, has made him known. And so you get this both and language when yep. it comes to Jesus yep. and the Father God, God yep. the Father. Um, not either or, both and uh, that comes up and and leads us into this idea of, man, there's something big uh, going on in in who 
and what God is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we call it the Trinity, and, and that's, what, that's what it's been called for hundreds of years, even though that word does not exist in the scriptures. We had to come up with something to describe this idea. Uh, I want to ask you, I'll ask you, Ryan, um, give me, and, and I'm going to give you some more time to explain this more fully, mm-hmm. uh, but, but if two to three sentences... If you were just to explain the Trinity to someone who has not heard this concept, two, three sentences, how would you sum it up? Okay, I wrote this one down, but I did not write it down with the intent that this would be all that I would say. It's yeah. kind of the springboard. Yeah, yeah. So there's lots of ideas that have to be unpacked. But I said that the word Trinity describes the one God over all creation who simultaneously exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God's triunity, and I use that word so I could explain it later, <laughs> reveals his character the ways in which he relates to his creation and the nature of the personal God from which his gospel of redemption and restoration springs. Okay. So I'm, I'm talking about the, the three in oneness, obviously, but yep. also connecting it to his action in the world, okay. the gospel. Yes. And I want to, that's something I want to get into the, the implications, why it matters for him to be triune and how that affects all these other things, which we'll, we'll definitely get into. Jim, anything you'd, you'd throw on there? No, or? I didn't write it out. Okay. Um, I, I was, I would probably just talk about the, um, that when I think about the triune nature of God, that, that, that is in fact who God is and who always has been, that God in his unity exists in triunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have to get our heads around in terms of what that is. Mm-hmm. So Yes. Um, so, well, let's, let's try here for a few minutes. <laughs> um, talk to me now. If, if, you know, if I was giving you a little more time, if I was giving you a page paper to kind of explain this and what this is, um, uh, yeah, how would you do that? And let's, I want to, I want to, I want to, go to the word of God as we kind of answer some of these things. I mean, you will not see, as I mentioned, you won't see the word Trinity in the Bible. Mm -hmm. You won't see, you won't see uh, this phrase in the Bible that God is uh, three persons in one God. You you know, you're not going to see that, that in there. So how did we come to this conclusion that, that there it is three persons in one God uh, all together? Like, how did we come to this conclusion? Why did we come to this conclusion? Where kind of from scripture and, and just our understanding of how God would have to exist? Did we, we arrive at this? Well, and I think it's, it's, I think it's important to realize that what we're trying to do is we're trying to take the scriptures. You said we need to go back to the scriptures. So we're trying to take what John one says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was Mm -hmm. with God in the beginning. Um, where we take another text, he is the image of the invisible God. So uh, Colossians chapter one, beginning in verse 15. Um, so you have all these expressions about who, particularly right now we're talking about Jesus and his divine nature. And uh, so the, the Bible doesn't come to us like a theological textbook and says, hey, listen, there are some things that you need to know about God. This is his nature and this is who he is. It comes to us in narrative form, right? It comes to us in story. So God um, creates creation, where creation rebels against him. God persists in his kindness and in his goodness for his own glory to redeem them. And he does that in a triune way. And so here is how the Father acts, here is how the Son acts, here is how the Spirit acts. So what we're doing is we're looking at the scriptures and we're seeing what they say about Father, Son, and Spirit. And then working backwards, like kind of, re, um, what's it called, Steve, when you uh, re-engineer? De- um, Reverse engineer. We're reverse engineering it. We're basically saying, okay, this is what Jesus said, and we believe that what he said is true, and so how can that be? And so I think that's what I'm doing, is that I'm trying to understand from the story, as Jesus just Mm -hmm. makes bold statements, I and the Father are one, and we go, well, how can that be? You're a man. And so now we've got to try to, now we've got to deal with the statement. Like, he, he doesn't say, hey, let me explain to you how we're one. He just says, I, I am one. Yeah. And now we've got to try to figure out what that is. And so I think that's even the reason why there's, I, I thought about this and I thought, I don't know if I have time to chase it because it's a little more complicated than just looking in a concordance. I don't know if the Bible says that God is all powerful. I don't know if it says that he is um, omniscient. Um, there are people that even question whether or not God knows all things, meaning is the future in that category? And so the Bible never says, I think it implies it, mm-hmm. but just because the word Trinity isn't there, um, that, that really, when I was younger, I think it did kind of influence me. It made me wonder the value or the worth of it. Yeah, not anymore at all, at all. The, the, uh, the inerrant word of God, uh, the fact that it is without error, it never yeah. uses that term. But it is. Yeah. yeah. It keeps describing itself in terms of reliability, trustworthiness, truth, straight from God's mouth. And so we go, oh, 
if it's from God's mouth, then that would mean there's not errors in it. Yeah. And we we kind of piece that together. Yeah, we piece we, that yeah. together. And so yeah. that's what we're doing. We're reverse engineering yeah. um, what God is like by the things that he's revealed about himself. Yeah. An important concept to have in front of us as we do this is the idea of progressive revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that's not huge. that something suddenly becomes true because we now understand it or see it in a new light. It's that God has further revealed certain truths such that we can start to put things together. And I think the fullest revelation of God himself to humanity is in the person and work of Jesus. So Richard Hayes, a famous New Testament scholar, he um, he doesn't use the phrase reverse engineering, but he says uh, at the advent of Jesus, we now have to read backwards. And so he says we go back to the Old Testament and we see it in light of kind of the Emmaus Road experience. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, a big one that kind of helps us see that in a new way is whenever God speaks to himself in the creation account in the plural, when he says, let us make man in our own image. There were there would have been ways to understand that in the ancient world where God is maybe, it's called uh, uh, using a plurality of majesty. He's talking about himself as a singular being in this magnanimous and incredible, huge, magnificent way. But then whenever Jesus and the Spirit come, we go back and we read and we're like, uh, actually maybe the whole Godhead is involved here. And that's something that we wouldn't have had uh, the pieces necessarily to put together. Mm-hmm. It was always true. We just had to, it had to be revealed over time. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the, I don't know if you want to look at specifically at a verse right now, but you know, we have to figure out what to do with John fourteen twenty six and John fifteen twenty six, um, Because two statements are made about the, about the father, the son and the spirit. And some people quickly just go, well, that's a contradiction. And I say, I don't think it is. I mean, especially since Jesus is saying it, and he's saying it so close to one another, right? This is yeah, within, like the, within the same. Yeah, what he just said. Yeah. This is in the same discourse. So obviously there might be a better way of just going, oh, that's a contradiction. No, it might actually be um, something that is deeper that we need to wrestle with. So he actually says in chapter 14, verse 26, he says, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have told you. So there, the Father will send in my name. Mm-hmm. And then in verse 26 of the 15th chapter, Jesus says, And when the Counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. And so you have these two texts really close together that are talking about the sending of the Spirit of God. Um, and then Jesus says, The Father will send him in my name. And then he's, he later on says, I will send him from the Father, whom the Father will send. Mm. So there really is this, this bringing together of the activities of, we would say, God as Father and Son and now Spirit mm-hmm. that we have to try to say, okay, so then how does this work? Is well, And this is what we do. Well, which one is it? Because we can only think in terms of... Is it is it is there is there one or three? I understand why, particularly Muslims or um, some other, even even within we would use Christendom loosely, but um, there's a lot of now what we would call like cultish yeah. groups that that refuse to acknowledge Jesus Christ. Um, as as being both God and man, yeah, one in nature with the Father. Yeah, like yeah. they just they they consider that to be a heresy that was developed in the early church because, and they're trying to protect the unity of God. They're saying no, God is one. God is one, and you yeah. can't have you have three gods, and I don't have three gods. I have one God, but I have to deal with this text where Jesus actually says, "I'm sending him." Mm-hmm. Um, well, the Father's sending him. Well, we're sending him. You can't put. Um, at least I, I, I don't know how you would ever be able to, to then put Jesus on any kind of a level that isn't on par with God if he is sending the Spirit. Yeah. So you've, you've, you got have, to, you've got to deal with that. You have statements where Jesus is saying in this passage, I am going away, and that's good for you because if I go, I'll send the Spirit. Yeah. And then you'll have later statements where he, he's, instead of saying, I'm sending the Spirit to be with you, he says, I am with you always. Yeah. Like there's yeah. this kind of, a, wait, did you go away and the Spirit went, or are you actually still here with us? And it's, it's yes. You know what I mean? Acts chapter 16, <laughs> I, I find it interesting. It's the only time that this phrase appears in the Bible, but it is the Spirit of Jesus that that kept Paul from traveling. It looked like Paul was wanting to travel east, and it says, in the Spirit of Jesus prohibited him from doing this. Um, in the Galatian text, the, uh, the apostle Paul describes... Um, he doesn't use the phrase the spirit of Jesus, but the spirit and kind of of the Son. I think is the phrase that he uses in Galatians: the spirit of the Son. So there seems to be this uh, 
this kind of the similar way of describing the Holy Spirit, where it is the Spirit of God and it is the Spirit of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so what do you do with that? And you've, you've got to either say, well, one of them is wrong. Okay. Then I don't know what we do with the text. If we can selectively choose when the text is wrong, I think you end up with another problem. Or is there another way of understanding God? And are there things about God that are not uh, understandable and clearly definable, so to speak? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where I've definitely landed. Good. Um, I, I want to. I want to ask us to. I want to continue to kind of flesh this out. But I actually, I think probably a good way to flesh this out is even to ask, like, what are misconceptions? about the trinity what are what are misunderstandings Ryan, you about love the way you this, love these these okay. these analogies that have been given over time that have probably been more more hurtful than good yes but i i really do think even hearing these things are helpful because it's it, it, yeah it fine tunes what i'm thinking yes. to go oh not that that means it, it puts me on this side but i can't go this far over here it, yeah. kind of, it really does help me find uh define a little bit more what trinity is when i hear what it's not yeah you know yep. what I mean? yeah yep. yeah so in that sense the analogies are helpful because they clarify a not good way of talking about it. But you know, the, there's the uh, the famous analogies of, um, and what you do is you kind of step into some some heresies that we can we can put a label on if we need to. But um, that God is like an egg. Um, you know, it's there's one egg, but there's also like a shell and a white and a yolk. So it's got a plurality to it and a singularity to it. It's one egg, but three parts. Um, in the same way, people will talk about God as like an apple. We love food analogies. You have the <laughs> the skin, the flesh, and the seeds or the core. Um, and I think some of those are more easily dispelled than others. This one actually is very attractive to uh, to, to some because it gets to not God changing necessarily his form, but changing the way that he relates. Well, God is like a is like Jim. Uh, Jim Jim yeah. is both a father. He's one person, but he's a father and a husband. And a brother and a son, and the, so there's a there's a plurality to him, but they still just one person, and they 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 consider that to be a helpful way to describe God as one God who at times relates to us like a father, at times saves us like a son, and at times helps us like a counselor. Um, but that's still like that 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 doesn't describe how the Bible talks about God. Yeah. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, we see we see the three members relating to one another. Yes, um, showing up in the same place. <laughs> yes, we see them talking back and forth to each other, which means it's not that would have to be some sort of multiple personality disorder <laughs> yes. that's going on. If that Jim's husbandness is speaking to his fatherness, is chatting with his brotherliness, yeah, he needs to be institutionalized. Yeah, yeah like right? it, it really doesn't it really doesn't fit. There is there again there is a triunity in the unity, mm-hmm. and that's that's the part that we need to to recognize yes. that we need to deal with that we need to have an answer for to the best of our ability and then we need to be comfortable with those things that we can't yes. fully get our get our head around i mean I, I go back to genesis chapter one so and you talked to ryan about progressive revelation the fact that going back and looking at this um in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth and the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered over the surface of the water of the depths and the spirit of god was hovering over the surface and then god said let there be light and so, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the fact that you have God creator, you actually have uh, the spirit hovering over, and then it is the word that creates. And that's kind of what the New Testament writers pick up on, right? That everything was created by him and through him, mm-hmm. speaking of Jesus, without him, nothing was made. And they go back and they say, really, this is where John is picking up the concept of Jesus being the word, is that is, yeah. that is the creative element of this. And we go, wow, I didn't even actually see that in there. That's interesting. So there are, I, I, yeah. I think I, I think I read the beginning of Genesis and all I saw was God. Yeah. And maybe, and I saw his spirit. I guess I saw the spirit kind of hovering over. But for me, that was just like, like God again, mm-hmm. you know, there's God and he created and then God was hovering. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, yes, and it's yeah. not yes, but it's yeah. yes. And, yeah. and I yeah. think that's a good way that I've, I've decided there's a lot of yes. Ands. Yes. It's not a yes, but, and that goes back to probably the most famous analogy is that God is like water that he is when he's really cold, he's, he's ice. And whenever he's less cold, he's water. And whenever he's warm, he's vapor or mist. There are lots of ways that people like to to connect that to God, but one of the things that you run into if you if you read Genesis one with like a water paradigm, um, you run into this heresy known as modalism, where God is never more than one thing, but He just changes. He He, he puts on a new mask to play a new role. Changes His mode. Yes, appears in yeah. different modes. Yeah. 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 So, 
you just run into a lot of problems in, say, the Garden of Gethsemane, listening to Jesus pray to his other mode, yes. you know, yeah. uh, yes. going to yeah. send his other mode after the fact, cries out to yeah. the, his other mode from the cross. Mm-hmm. Or the father confirming yeah. the, 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 the love that he has for his son or the mission that he has given to his yeah. son. Speaking from the heavens. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or the two texts that I just read from John 14, 26 and 15, 26, where you actually have the, the, the father and the son sending the spirit. And so it's not I'm sending my, it's, it's not I'm just sending myself. I'm actually sending my spirit. Which is, which is like myself in this sense, but it's not like myself in another sense. And so, you know, I, I wish we were doing this on video in a way because there is a great, if you, if you just go online, you should be able to type in uh, Trinity and then just hit images. And you'll actually see like an ancient image of, of uh, the kind of the way the church has always tried to understand this, which is that God is Father, Son, and Spirit. And the Father is not totally like the Son, and the Son is not totally like the Spirit, and the Spirit is not totally like the Father, but they are all God. You're describing a shield. Yeah. It's like, that, that kind of, it's it like, like a little three-part shield. Yeah, it's got yeah. like two triangles nestled inside one another. Yeah, so Jesus is fully God, the Spirit is fully God, and the Father is fully God, but the Father is not fully the Son, and the Son is not fully the Father, and vice versa, all the way around the Trinity, mm-hmm. which is our best way of saying there is unity, because there's only one God, mm-hmm. and he exists, this one God. Um, in a triune form. The other thing, which I don't know, Drew, if you were, if you're going to go down this road or not, but I, I've always found it fascinating that um, one of the descriptions. So there's two there's two different word for God that is found in the Old Testament, maybe even more, but the two El and then Elohim, and it's interesting that Elohim can sometimes be translated gods, and in the Hebrew that it can be described sometimes in the they call the superlative, right? So the, in its in its greatest form, but it seems to me that there is a hinting at. That, uh, that Elohim, that God exists not only in the plurality, or sorry, in the supremacy of himself, mm-hmm. in his greatestness, but that also there is something triune about him. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I just think there's a lot of rich meaning in that, in that term that uh, kind of points to something that then the Bible then reveals, makes very, very mm-hmm. clearly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple other misconceptions about the Trinity. Um, sometimes we can say, yeah, it's confusing, but it's it's... Um, widely held to be true among Christians, even though it can seem confusing, can seem somewhat contradictory, and maybe even at times irrelevant. Not, I think it's actually a, a misconception that all people who consider themselves Christians embrace this doctrine. There's a, a considerable contingent of people who would identify as followers of Christ who do not put him on par with the, with the Father um, in the Godhead, or they may have more of like a tritheistic concept of the Godhead. Explain tritheistic. Um, it would be it would be to to set aside the oneness and the unity of the yeah. Godhead. That there's there is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and they're functionally three gods. Yeah. And modalism modalism that you describe leans too far into the oneness at the expense of the threeness. Yep. Tritheism leans too far into the threeness at the expense of the oneness. It's it's what's you know we get the analogy of like the apple with the yeah. you have the yeah. actual yep. the peel of the apple and then you've got the actual fruit or meat of the apple and then you've got the seed and each of those like equals one of the yep. one of the members of the trinity but yep. but the the problem with that is that those three things even though they're all part of the apple they are distinct completely they they are made up of completely different things yes, yes. and that the apple without that is less apple yes, yes. it's you yes, know what i mean yes, it's like yes, it's yes, like yes. they need each other and so we we believe as i've, I've kind of heard it said like if 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 uh what is it like if the if the father's cookie dough like then the son is the exact same cookie, cookie dough. dough and it's all cho- <laughs> and, and the spear is the exact it's all the same essence yeah they yeah. are the same yeah. substance essence, yeah. same substance big word for the ancient yeah. church yes yeah. yes um yeah. and so they're not three different substances that come together to make an important substance they are all of the same yes substance. yes yes yes, yes. it's mean? yeah it's not that they're nothing without the other one yes it's, it's almost like you can't even go down that road a little bit because yeah. you're you're trying to divide something that is indivisible yeah right yeah. it yeah. literally is indivisible god is indivisible so many of you probably know these 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 categories but broadly speaking um groups that would consider themselves in the umbrella of christendom I don't even know if we're allowed to use that term anymore, but we consider themselves to be Christians, but do not hold to the Trinity at all or hold to a heterodox, heretical version of it would be like Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, um, uh, Pentecostal oneness, oneness Pentecostals. Yeah. Is that right? The Unitarians. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, which, uh, w- you know, we would argue they are, to, to say these things, is missing who God is in yep. his essence. That it's not just, they're not just kind of, ah, they've dropped kind of this side thing. They've dropped this, this, uh, this kind of doctrine that, that Christians have believed a lot and stuff, but it's kind of almost peripheral. We would say they are dropping something that, that stands really yeah. uh, very close to the center of what we believe and those yeah. kinds of things as they do those. Um, okay, I want, I want to talk for just a second, but I want to get into why this really matters. But before I do, you know, there, there are people who I think would go, listen, why, why try to figure this out? Why yeah. try to? There's yeah. some things that are too big for us. Uh, this is a mystery, the triunity of God. And so trying to explain it even, if anything, it almost robs some of the beauty of it. So why spend our time even trying to define and figure out this stuff? Uh, there's actually part of me that, that is drawn yeah. to that. Yeah. There's part of me that I go, I, I remember you as a student. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, and, and it's not that you're trying to avoid even like a, a difficult thought. Yeah. But you, you actually drew live better in the tension yeah or in the and, and not the ambiguity because it 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 you're not wanting to explain it but because since it can't be explained why yeah you know, yes, you know yes. the, so yeah no i appreciate that where's the room for just awe yeah yeah exactly and there's exactly. a value to bringing like a an intellectual logical humility to the conversation yeah. and say i know but ahead of time i'm not going to be able to wrestle yes. this to the ground I'm not, and i i can definitely appreciate that degree of humility. So, so talk to me then about like how you, I don't know what if, I don't know if you've got more to say on the, like the upside of that thinking, but then talk to me about like what, what that kind of thinking misses out on or well, what it lacks. Okay, real quickly, this is, and then Ryan, you can, you can take a run in terms of why it is. I, I'd like to now position myself depending upon where the other person is. And I'm not trying to play devil's advocate, but I, I believe there is a healthy, let it go. Mm-hmm. You're trying too hard, and it's just going to frustrate you and those around you. Mm-hmm. It can't be understood, and you need to just live in the mystery. And then there's the other side, which is, no, your lack of pursuing this, your lack of understanding this is actually causing some problems because you don't know who Jesus is. You don't know the unity that exists between him and the Father. Um, and so when I, when I hear people say, man, I, just, I really am connecting to Jesus, I really get him, but I've, you know, because of my dad's relationship with me, I've just never been able to kind of connect to the Father. And they're okay with that. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, you don't understand. Like that, there's, that is a fundamental problem. Yeah. So you need to think this through. And then somebody else, I don't know how, and I'm, I'm just going, you need to let it go. So I really think it's important, both personally Am I giving enough time to this so that I would know him better and then respond in worship um, and in obedience? So is that is that happening? Um, or am I somehow not thinking properly and then therefore not recognizing the spirit within me, the Jesus who died for me, or the God who sent the Son to purchase me for, for him? Um, I, I need to have the right understanding, a growing understanding, and then I need to know the limits of my understanding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, let let as we go forward, let's make sure we, we keep the Trinity as the ultimate reality of who God is and, and, and humbly posture ourselves as finite beings approaching the infinite and trying to understand that. So there's, there's limitations from the beginning. But I just find that sometimes we'll come to this question and we will approach it with less rigor and zeal than we will our other passions and hobbies. Um, or even just our other relationships. Like... My wife is a complicated person. I could say she's hard to understand. I wouldn't say she's hard to understand like the Trinity is, but she's hard to understand. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, it would be it would be disingenuous and a disservice to our relationship yep. should yep. I just say, therefore, I'm done figuring you out. Yep. I'm done trying to understand. Um, I don't want to hear for the 47 millionth time in 15 years that you're a words of affirmation person and I'm really bad at that. <laughs> you know, I need to pay attention to that. I need to grow. I need to like, there is a relational side of, uh, of my marriage that has to be um, a mutual pursuit of understanding each other's person and identity. So when someone wants to, to talk about being a fully devoted follower of Christ, I'm like, okay, like, tell me about him. And if you have to pull up too soon, and if you're not growing in your understanding of who he is, and I believe he is in perfect communion with the Father and the Spirit, then like at some point you have to wrestle with the fact that the, the New Testament doesn't talk about this stuff like it's 
incomprehensible. Talks about it like it's just part and parcel of following Jesus is to be live a life animated by the Spirit in communion with the Father through the work of the Son. And I'm just like, there's there's something there that that is um, billed as understandable. And I, I feel like it's our responsibility as followers of Christ to lean into that and to not just say, ah, it's a mystery. Let's not talk about it. Let's talk about things that are more practical. Well, and think about you know, we're, in, we're in John. And so uh, the text that you've already mentioned today, show us the Father. And Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So there's a lot of people right now that are saying, I want to know what God is and I want to know who God is. And isn't that a deep idea who God is? If you were to say in just a normal conversation, well, if, if, you've, if, you, if you want to know who God is, just read who Jesus is, mm-hmm. there'd be a lot of people who'd be deeply offended by that. Mm-hmm. Um, my Muslim friends would be deeply troubled by that statement. You can't tell me that Jesus actually is a picture of the Father. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are some real practical implications of the concept of Trinity that says, yeah, you cannot know the Father without knowing yeah. the Son. Um, that's what Jesus basically does. Uh, John, in his letter, says this, that if you have fellowship with the Son, you have fellowship with the Father. If you don't have fellowship with the Son, you don't have fellowship with the Father. So without having a um, at least adequate understanding of the, um, the, the, the Son, then you cannot have the Father. If he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him, and that is the will of the Father who sent him, mm-hmm. then you've got to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And you can't just disassociate yourself from that. So I, th- I think it's important, um, and I, this may be another podcast, this may be, you know, uh, uh, you guys definitely know this, um, I've come into some very difficult uh, truths that I'm trying to figure out about my own father, who I speak about all the time, and love him, love him dearly, and I'm so grateful he's been a, a gift of God to my life. My dad has always wrestled with the fact that Jesus Christ um, is God, mm-hmm. because he so wants to hold to the unity. And more recently, so the oneness, the oneness yeah. yeah. And, and I've always respected that in him. And he kind of gets that from his father. But, uh, you know, and again, there's an age issue that's happening here right now. And But uh, I am deeply concerned about how he can truly be a follower of God. And I'm going to use that if he's not going to recognize the true nature of the son. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it has some like eternal implications on him. Uh, and on anyone. So you can't just be like, a, my, my dad would, would speak of his own father as being a God-fearer. And I'm going, that's not how the Bible describes a saved relationship with, with God. So that's a man-made invention that's kind of like, you know, if we can, at least, if we can at least appease the biggest one, right, the yeah. God, mm-hmm. then in the end we can kind of mess around with these silly little things in theology. I'm going, unless... Jesus is right when he says there's no way to the Father except through me. Yeah. And then you gotta deal with the Trinity. Yeah. You've got to deal with that. And then on 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 lastly, and if the spirit of truth is going to convict of sin, and if the spirit of truth is is the deposit guaranteeing the inheritance, Ephesians chapter one, if that is what's happening, then you've got to come to terms with that, or else you're not in a saved relationship mm-hmm. yeah. with, with the triune God. Mm-hmm. So you've got to deal with the Trinity, even if you don't want to, and you can't understand it perfectly, you've got to understand it adequately. Yeah. When Paul, when the Apostle Paul ran into God-fearing Greeks, and he thought that they needed to hear the gospel of Jesus. Yes. He did not think that that was good enough. Mm-hmm. That just meant that they were in the synagogue to hear him preach. I like, and I think sometimes the image I get in my head is of like, if, if God is in a vast and endless ocean, like I can, it's, it's true to say, I'll never be able to get to the other side of it, yeah. or I'll never yeah. be able to, yeah. to get to the depths of it. I'll never yeah. go all the way down into it. Uh, but that doesn't have to keep me from swimming in it. You know what I mean? It doesn't <laughs> yeah, have to yeah. keep me from exploring it yeah, and yeah. enjoying yeah, yeah, it. You know, yeah. Like I'm missing out if I don't try, uh, even as I should humbly confess from the beginning, there is no way I will be able to explore this to its fullest. He's too big for me. Um, but there's, but I'm missing out if I don't, if I don't do some. You and, know, if I don't and, try, and what you, know? you will do is you'll find yourself in Colossians chapter 1 beginning in verse 15. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions. And you keep on reading down, and he is the head of the church. And then you say, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And you go, wait a second here. So Jesus made all things, and God was pleased 
God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him. Who's that? That's Jesus. And so Paul kind of slips, as he does many times, kind of in, uh, in between and around describing who Jesus is and describing who God is, and then sometimes specifically God the Father. And you're going to come to those texts, and you're going to have questions, or else you're not going to deal with those texts, and then there's another discipleship problem. So it's going to happen. Yeah. And as it happens, as you're reading Philippians 2, and you get uh, to that verse that says that Jesus, um, although in the very form of God, did not consider equality with God, it seems to be implying the Father, did not equate, or just God, did not did not desire that, did not hold on to that, and so he emptied himself. Yeah. So you have to try to figure it out, okay, so then Jesus did exist from the very beginning. He wasn't just, a, he didn't just appear in, in Mary. So as you're reading through Scripture, it's going to force you to think about these things, let's think about them well. Yeah, that's good. Um, lastly, I want to talk through. You know, Michael Reeves is is a, a theologian, a scholar who's who's written a number of different things, but he's written this little book called "Delighting in the Trinity," which oh, yeah. which I really love. It's been helpful for me, and it's it's short. It's it's written for for people who didn't go to seminary. So mm-hmm. that, that would be me. Mm-hmm. And so I can, I can, it's, a, it's something that I can understand but and Drew, love I'm, and all those I, things. On behalf of all seminarians, <laughs> well, Ryan, you can tell me, I'm not even, this is me not being weird. Really? Uh, uh, honestly, <laughs> no, yeah, this is me being weird. <laughs> yep. But I, I do, I love you, man. Thank you. I really <laughs> do. You, you have had, you've expressed no interest in furthering your education. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it just... <laughs> Sounds so hard. Okay, but you do hard things. No, but I'm, I'm going to hold you to this, dude. I don't want to hear those hard things. I've seen you parent, Huddy. You make it look so hard. So I'm just going to say, on behalf of all seminarians, I want to give you like an honorary. Hey, I don't even know if I'm allowed. Am I allowed to give degrees? I mean, probably. I, I should probably, be more associated to an institution. Yeah, but you you have the mind of a seminarian, Drew. Thank you. And it's what we love about you. Like you you do the hard study. You do the hard work. You don't downplay hard study. Yeah, just, I try not to. No, not I don't to. think you do. I've never, I've never once felt like, you know, you're not the guy like I'm not going to go to cemetery, right? You know those people <laughs> yes, that just yes, drives yes, me crazy. Yes, yes. So no, I'm not anti-seminary. Yes, exactly, exactly. Things. So on behalf of that and okay. all seminarians, you have an honorary. I'm get. I'm right. Do you think? Uh, Johnson University in Tennessee would have a problem with me making a Jim Johnson University degree. <laughs> if you'll sign that for me, and I'll, I'll, I'll uh, call that my I will, seminary degree. I'll literally sign um, uh, all the trustees' names. And just, it'll be <laughs> my signature great. in, just in over ten over, different forms. Over and over again. In, in honor of the Trinity, I'll, I'll do, do my signature I'll, in ten different ways. <laughs> I'll do Jim Johnson. I'll just make the gym really small. small. <laughs> I'll just say Johnson University. Okay, I like that. Um, here, but anyway, Reeves, man, got way off there. Reeves says, we often describe the Trinity almost like it's this kind of cumbersome part of our faith that is kind of hard. And and truthfully, maybe we're we're slightly embarrassed about as we like talk to our Muslim friends. Yes. I mean, we believe in three, but it's still (laughs) one and nobody, we don't really get it, but you know, that's what it is. You know, literally what we say. It is. It's literally what we say. But, But he says it's not the Trinity. Actually, the more you dig into, the more you see, it is not like this, uh, this cumbersome yeah. kind of side part, but that it is, it, it makes Christianity what it is. Yes. Um, it, it gives it the life and the, and, and the design and all that stuff of it. He says it, it matters that the Christian God is a triune God. <laughs> yes. Um, and so this is, this is what I want to ask you guys. Why does it matter? that the yeah. Christian God is a triune God. What difference does that make in our faith between our faith and just a, a, a normal belief in God, however you may want to describe that? And what does that matter kind of even for our lives as believers, as Christians? I'll, I'll give you another. I mean, you, you asked Drew, and you love the Bible verses that we use. You, you, you keep saying to me, we need to make sure we keep pointing people back to the Scriptures. So in Paul's farewell address to the Ephesian elders, he makes a statement, which I, I just did a paper on this last week. He says... Um, uh, let me find the verse exactly. Yeah, here it is here in uh, in verse 28. Be on guard. So this is Paul speaking to the Ephesian elders. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Shepherd the church of God, which God purchased with his own blood. So you've got literally the triune nature of God here, right? You've got God, uh, you have the Holy Spirit that is in you, gentlemen. And so I want you to shepherd the church of God, which, by the way, he purchased with his own blood. Mm -hmm. And so, well, how did God purchase it with his own blood? 
And the answer is Jesus. Mm. And that means Jesus is God. And so he, Paul seems to, and I, I think he's just writing, right? I think he's just, he's just, there's a free flowing spirit protected. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, and he sees this, this union that exists. And so again, um, it is divine child abuse if Jesus isn't God. Mm-hmm. If Jesus just had one of his prophets, he, I mean, he has the prerogative to do it. But in yeah. the end, I mean, Jesus, it's, Jesus dying on a cross, yeah, you're saying, yes. is, yeah, is yeah. divine child abuse. It is God taking it yes. out on, on Jesus. And then why not uh, Moses? Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, seriously, like, why not Moses? So you have so many problems in understanding what the Christian faith is really all about, which mm-hmm. is the glory of God through the work of the Son by the power of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And that's all it is. It's not just God yeah. in, in, in its generic yeah, untriune expression. It's not just a textbook definition that's helpful to know. It's yeah. meaningful. Yes, yeah. yes. It's it's the triune God that 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 sent the Son that died for us that then sent the Spirit to sustain us. Mm-hmm. So there's no way to understand our faith. That's what what makes us different than Islam. It's what mm-hmm. makes us different than our Jewish um, cousins in the faith. Right. Yeah. Um, we're not the same. We don't believe the same. Yes. We don't believe the same uh, fundamental nature of God. Yeah. Uh, Millard Erickson has a little book called Making Sense of the Trinity. It's really short. It's only three chapters long. And the very last chapter is titled, uh, Is the Trinity a Relevant Idea? And he opens up this really interesting question to, to begin that chapter. He says, I don't know if we should be asking the question, how is the Trinity relevant to us? But mm-hmm. given some, yeah. some, he calls it ontological humility and recognizing that God is who God is. And he's revealed himself as he's revealed himself. He's, he says, maybe we should ask, how should we be relevant to the Trinity? Mm. Um, and then he goes and he says, a perfect example of that is the problem of evil. He says, the Trinity answers the problem of evil, but we will, um, trying to bend God to our conception of sure. reality, to the way that we view things, to the way that we understand things, accuse God of being unjust because bad things continue to happen. And, uh, and he basically says that. Uh, the Trinity says that there is a creator God who sent a son, sent himself to deal with evil. And then he sends himself in the spirit to work out the yeah. redemption and restoration of the world until he will send himself again to fully fix it all. Mm. And so I've never thought about the Trinity as an answer to the problem of evil. Mm. You know, it's always been a little like more philosophical yeah, yeah, than that. Yeah, Instead yeah. of He's like, actually, the Bible kind of explains how God deals with evil all the time. And then what I love about it is, and then you can like that, you can not like that, you can agree with it, you can disagree with it, but that's what the scripture teaches. And again, I think we can honestly engage it intellectually, um, emotionally, mm-hmm. relationally. I think we need to do that uh, to have integrity. Mm-hmm. But in the end, the text is still the text. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've got to either submit to it or reject it and to put something else in its place. And I've always been most comfortable <laughs> dealing with the text and to the best of my ability by the power of the Holy Spirit, bending hopefully my thoughts and my, my actions in conformity with the, with the triune nature of God. Jim, could you in super compact form, uh, summarize your kind of discovery of how the Trinity, um, exudes God's missional work in the world? Yeah. I mean, I would say that you, you, you really do have, um, kind of in in the triune nature of God, especially the Father sending. I did this last night in our Mission of God stuff, the number of times that Jesus refers to the one who sent him, the one who sent him, the one who sent him. So the missional activity of God is, in fact, ascending God who has sent his son, who then accomplished a work of redemption, and then that restoration is continued yet again by the sending of the Spirit, which is why I believe in the phililoquy, which is that the Father and the Son send the Spirit. Mm-hmm. So you have this ongoing, perpetual sending, missional nature of God to rectify the world to himself, mm-hmm. right? Tri- in a triune way. So I'll tell you uh, a couple of my things, you know, from, from Reeve's book, I think they both are a couple of things I really like about um, the, the idea of triune. He talks about this idea of uh, God's goodness and his love is actually so yeah. much tied to him yeah. being triune. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. He said, you know, he says Aristotle actually wrestled with this question. Aristotle was smart enough to, to look around and go, there's got to be some kind of God. And he also believed that God was good, that that God was, was good. But then he, he had this problem where he realized um, 
in order for God to yeah. be good, there has to be something existing for him to be good too. too. Someone or something has to be in existence. And he thought back and he goes, well, there would have been a time when all that existed was God. There wasn't anything else. And so how can God be inherently in his nature good, good. if for eternity before things were created, there was nothing to, to be relate good to? to. Yes. yes, I know. Um, I know. That's the, a great one. And the, and the same guy, and we actually can chase that to love when John says in First John that God yeah. is love. Yeah. That's yeah. that idea. God yeah. cannot be love if there's nothing to love. But if God is three persons, then that means God has existed in the form of relational love between three persons that have uh, loved one another endlessly and beautifully, yeah. you know? Uh, so it, Well, I know I, I, that's really a good way to think about it. And that's why, and, and what, what we're not doing is going, oh, so now we're explaining um, how we relate, but no, we're actually explaining the way that God designed us to relate. Like, yes. I think that's why yes. going back, we're made in the image of yes. God. So th- this is, we're, we're not, we're not re- reverse engineering this, no. right? We're actually in, in the end, we're, it we're, helps make sense of yes. some things where that's, I think Keller talks about that in reason for guys. Like you, you want to know why life always works best when your relationships are all going well yes. and why those who sever themselves off from everybody live miserable existences. Yes. It's because, uh, at the center of the universe stands a relational God through whom everything was created and those kinds of things. Uh, Reeves, beautiful. Yes. Reeves also talks about the idea that the Trinity means that fatherhood is not a hat that God puts on. Um, uh, I think we tend to think maybe first of God as creator who has chosen to be a father yeah. to us. Yeah. The Trinity says actually, John 17, those kinds of things, that actually God the Father has always existed as father, father. because he is father to the son. Mm. Um, mm. And so that has been who from, you know, that, that he has loved, the fa- loved his son from all eternity. That's just inherent to who he is. And you go, yeah, father to Jesus, um, but, but father to us. And we go, no, no, you can't separate yeah. his relationship relationship with his son yeah, yeah. from who he is. Mm-hmm. And so he has, before he was creator, actually, he was yeah, father. He was father. Uh, and which means it is natural for him to relate to us as father. That's yeah. that's who he is to the core of his being, even before creator, yeah. um, which is a cool thing for, for me to, to think about. And well, it explains his endless love. It explains yes. his mercy. It explains his kindness. It explains all of those things which yes. he has towards himself, right? Perfectly. But himself has never violated himself. He is a perfect, yes. holy God. Yes. And then when he creates, and that which creates goes against him, that yeah. same love that he has for the unity of the Spirit, he then extends to his creation. Yeah, it which spills is, out to us. It spills out over to us. Yes. So he acts the same way. It's cool. That yeah. is cool. His goodness. His, you know, I think a lot recently about how much I like to just give things to my kid, how much joy it brings me to give them things. And, you know. That's exactly how Jesus talks about his father. Yeah. How much more? Right? Yep. It's good. This is good. God is good. It is fun, isn't it? I'm going to enjoy today. And all his his mind-blowing nature, God is good. And so uh, fun fun swimming in this ocean for just a little bit with you guys. I hope this has been beneficial to to you who are listening. If you've got more questions, I sure do. Uh, (laughs) come, come, Come chat. We'd love to talk about this and explore a little bit more.